0: Hi there, and welcome to the Lifestyle Entrepreneur Show with me, Sue Parker. Today, I'm going to be sharing all about how to calculate yield, which is the return on investment for your property investments, and different types of lets. So let's delve into part two of our buy-to-let journey so that you can follow along. So as some of you might know, we have been delving into the idea of property lets as part of our financial freedom planning. You probably notice if you're watching me on camera that the house is pretty much packed up. My desks are empty. My my shelves are empty. We're all boxed up because we've sold, and we've been deciding what to do with the pot of money, the capital that we've acquired through doing some property renovations of our own. And buy to let's has been on the cards for a while. You know, you have that moment where some family members will tell you that there's no market for buy-to-lets anymore. The government is constantly putting regulations in place, like they don't want private landlords. And don't get me wrong, I, I can understand the stigma around being a landlord. But here's the thing, if there's one very solid investment that's grown over time, and we talked about this in episode one, the Halifax Price Index has shown that house prices do double. So, you know, if in 20 years' time, we want to move back from being abroad, or my family, my kids do, or if we want to build passive income, property still is a really good solid investment to do that. The downside of course is the big capital investment that you have to make at the start. So I've got my pen with me, I've got my notebook because I want to share with you some stuff and I want to make sure I get it right. So we've been delving into what types of lets are available Because when you go to any of the property investors' groups, it's the first thing they ask you is what types of lets. And we were kind of a bit stumped by this question. What do you mean types of lets? Well, is there more than one type? And you'll probably hear terms like rent to rent. You'll hear of single lets. You'll hear of HMOs. And you'll hear um, SA's being bounded around. So I just want to get rid of the jargon because, as you know, I'm a no jargon kind of person. That's one thing that annoyed me about my tech career and education for that matter. But let's just go through, what is a HMO? What is a single letter? What do they mean by essays? Um, and they're the ones I'm going to carry on to talk about today. And then we're going to talk about how to calculate yield. And I've got a few examples for you. And I'm even going to put just a really handy worksheet over on the website, which I will pop the link in the show notes if you want to go grab that. Um, I'd love to know, actually, on that blog, if you are enjoying these episodes, if you are particularly keen on buy to let and you want to hear from more experts, you want me to bring some people on the show, then just let me know because it's really useful to know what you're geared up for, what you're trying to incorporate in your pursuit of financial freedom, time freedom, lifestyle freedom. So here we are. We're going to talk about single lets first of all. So single let is is the one that we're going to start with. It's probably the most basic, the most well-known, simple version of a let, which is where we're we're going to Basically, rent our home out to a single tenant. It might be one person, one couple, one family. There's a single tenant there. And we have the relationship as the landlord with that person. Now that's you know a really great market, usually first-time buyers, um, young couples, um, small families, that sort of thing. It's a really good starter. And, and that's kind of where we're pitching it at here. We're pitching it at starter or you know, gap type properties as opposed to something that's five bedrooms, because the the general feeling is that most families are looking for family homes. They might be looking for stopgap rentals, but bear in mind, we're going to be abroad. We're going to have somebody that's managed this in the UK for us. So therefore, we need something that's going to be long-term let, fairly hands-off, and that we just have to organize maintenance and all that kind of jazz. So the next one I'm going to talk about is HMOs. Oh gosh, HMO. What even does that stand for? Um, House of multiple occupancy, I think. House of multiple occupancy, HMO. Yes, that sounds right. So house of multiple occupancy is like your student lets or your renter rooms. So your student lets, generally you get these in university towns. So in Derby, for example, near the University of Derby, along Kedleston Road, there's a lot of student let accommodation. And basically, you know, it's like they pay £60 a week or whatever for a room in a house with communal spaces. it might have a communal kitchen, communal living area, And that's a HMO. Now, HMOs are a lot more involved, a lot more regulated. So if you're a first time landlord or landlady, you know what I mean, um, then you need to really get a bit more advice for this particular one and, and a bit more setup. I'm all for start where you're at, you can always learn and grow and develop with the next thing. But HMOs are very profitable for that reason. You have multiple people paying you per room. So therefore you can actually overall command more money in total. So HMOs great around stu- student universities or around you know university hospitals where you've got nurses, trainee doctors, all of the junior doctors, all of that sort of thing, and they just want to rent a room for the week when they're there working and getting their practice in. Okay, the next one I'm going to talk about is serviced accommodation. Serviced accommodations, SA, it gets referred to and bandied around a lot. I was like, what is this? And then I realised there's some serviced accommodation near me. Generally, it tends to be apartment buildings where you have a concierge service or you have gym facilities on site. So there's quite a lot of these in the city centres like in Manchester, in London. And what they'll have is they'll have some facilities there like the the concierge, like the gym facilities, maybe, you know, fully serviced building, maybe have a restaurant on there or whatever. And because of the services available in that building and the, you know, the, the fully managed services, if you like, then again, it can be more expensive, but it means you've got a hell of a lot of estate management running going on there. So that is for when you really wanna delve into complex rentals. Um, I'm not gonna talk about rent to rent, um I'm going to leave that one there. I'm going to leave rent to rent there. But rent to rent is a thing and you can always Google it if you're interested in it. It's in, it's basically where you don't buy it. You rent it off somebody and then you rent it to somebody else. Sounds like subletting, but it's, there's actually a proper legal way of doing it. And the landlord is the person who's got the agreement with the end consumer or the end tenant. Anyway, a little bit confusing. So um, that's why I'm going to leave rent to rent there because of understanding the structure of how it works. So now let's move on to how we calculate yield. So yield, all it is, is the return on your investment. So if you're like comparing it against, well, should I do that? Or should I do some stocks and shares? Should I do an investment trust? Should I do, you know, put some money in an ISA investment trust or something like that? Um, Maybe you're wondering, actually, is it a good deal? Or maybe you're just looking at a few properties and you're thinking, is this a good buy? Am I going to make a good return on my investment? Is it a good place to put my capital? And there's this calculation called yield that they always use in the property world. So I'm going to run through how to do that calculation. Now, as I say, there is a download link is underneath in the show notes. You can get a download um, PDF that tells you how to actually um, calculate this. But in a nutshell, you take the annual rent that you're going to get off that property and you divide it by the purchase price. And then we multiply that by 100 to get a percentage. So in effect, let's, let's say, for example, keep the numbers super simple for this first one. you're going to get 1,000 pounds a month for this rental. and you've purchased it for 200,000, not 2,000, 200,000. Let's get this right. So over the course of a year, a1,000 pound a month's rent equates to 12,000 pounds, and you divide that by your purchase price, which was 200,000. Now, it's entirely up to you whether you include stamp duty, solicitors, um, renovation costs, anything like that. As a general rule of thumb, seasoned investors don't, apparently. And the reason they don't is because all of that sort of, you know, it can sort of muddy the waters, cloudy things, if you like, by paying stamp duty or by paying um, a solicitor's fee, conveyancing, all that you know, it's kind of by the by, it's part of the process of purchasing the shares, if you like, when you're doing stockbroking. They kind of view it as any renovation costs where you're just adding value to the property. And therefore, you benefit from that because it's your capital that's been invested, it's your asset. So, 12,000 divided by my purchase price of 200,000, even if it's actually cost me 210 or 215 by the time I've done extra stuff to it. And then times up by 100 to get your percentage comes out at 6% yield. Now you should be aiming for anything above 5% when it comes to your yield and then you know you're on to pretty much a winner. You know in some areas you can average 6%, in some areas you average 8% and in some areas they only average 5 It really depends on the demand, how much rent you can charge, which depends on how affluent the area is, how much income there is, all of that kind of jazz. So you know but then these things swing around because You know, in a less affluent area, you can buy property much cheaper to get started with your buy-to-let journey. It's just you can't command as much rent for it. So it's still keeping the yield, you know, tweaking that little bit so that you're getting over 5%. Now, that's the first example. I'm going to give you another example. This one we're looking at, this is quite common actually around in my area. We're finding a lot of properties that are between the 225 and 250k mark that they're wanting. And when you speak to estate agents and do your research, which you will, they're only going to fetch £900 per month in rental. Now, over the course of 12 months, that equates to £10,800. Now, let's say I buy a property for £235,000, £235, and we're just going to use the purchase price there to calculate our yield, and I'm only going to get £900 per month. So that's 10800 divided by 235000 Gives me a yield of 4.5%, which is a bit low for what we'd need. We'd really need to bump up that rental to £1,000 a month, or we'd need to get that purchase price down. So, here's a term that you'll hear a lot when you go to property investment meetups, and that is deals. And we were a bit like, what's a deal? And in effect, what they're talking about is is these things. Getting a good deal, you know, being able to negotiate so that you've got a deal to bring to the table to another investor, somebody who wants to invest some money, or a deal for you. Is it the right deal if you get the right yield? And it's all about just balancing those numbers. Now, here's the thing. Don't get carried away with spending more than the yield determines. You know, there'll always be somebody who's crazy enough at an auction to go above, or at a sealed bid, or even online bidding now. There's always somebody who's prepared to just push it that little bit further. Maybe they don't need the yield. Maybe they've just not done their homework. Or maybe they're thinking they can bring it in and not necessarily spend much money on it, so it'll be worth it in the end. Or or maybe they're just thinking so long-term that the value of that property will have gone up so much, they don't really mind the fact that they're getting a really low yield. They don't really want it for the income you do your figures you know what you want to work towards and basically just keep finding deals keep putting in offers keep stacking up your leads you can do this in many ways um and let's let's build that portfolio for you but in a way that doesn't mean you're stretching yourself and doesn't mean you're getting a bad deal so hopefully you found this useful don't forget to head over to the blog if you have grab your download but also let me know if you want to hear more about the property let journey the next episode if you're really interested in this we are going to delve into how you find a deal so basically all the ways that you can try and find properties because there is a little bit more than just having a look on the estate agent website every now and then there's actually quite a bit more you can do to get the really great deals and that's what I want to talk about so um join us as we search for our property journey and also i'll share with you about our latest experience in doing a sealed bid submission Ooh, yes super scary have a fantastic week folks and i'll see you soon congratulations for showing up and being one of the eight percent that actually turn their dreams into reality i appreciate you for listening and i am committed to helping you improve the quality of your life For more resources, make sure you check out the show notes underneath. Don't forget to hit subscribe and leave me a five-star review. And remember, you are incredible. And if you dream it, you can achieve it.